Alliance of Women Filmmakers, this is Visionary Voices, behind-the-scenes conversations with groundbreaking women and non-binary filmmakers from around the world. I'm Diana Means. Hello, everyone, and thanks for tuning in. Today, I am pleased to welcome back Executive Director Heidi Bash Harod to talk about the ninth annual Women's Voices Now Film Festival taking place online throughout the month of March. Heidi, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me again, Diana. I'm thrilled to be here. Well, we're going to start by having you share some of the background and history about the festival. I'd love to. So the Women's Voices Now Film Festival is actually the inaugural program of the organization itself. Our first edition was back in 2011. It was in person. It was hosted at the Los Angeles Film School. And the theme was preset. It was Women's Voices from the Muslim World, which included over 200 films from countries from all over the Muslim world. And it was a really interesting time because it was in, um, it was happening during the Arab uprisings of the Middle East. And so while we were hearing women's voices live from that region of the world, we were also watching all of these films that were part of the festival. As the organization evolved and we decided that women's rights activism is stronger when we're not working in silos and we are having a unified voice around sort of the universal experiences of women and girls based on, on the fact that they are women and girls. We expanded the festival to not just include women's voices from the Muslim world, but from all over the world. And we also stopped pre-setting the theme of the festival so that it's the filmmakers telling us what are the most important issues, what are the things that we need to be thinking about as, as audience members and, and activists in the space of women's rights advocacy. Now, I've already watched several films from this year's festival each one from a different country, but there were common experiences in the women's stories. Now, I read this year's theme, Holding Ground Under Siege, and I was wondering if you could explain a little bit about how that theme emerged and what it means. So, let's see, we had 109 submissions this year, and also important to mention that over the years, we've, we've narrowed the categories that, we, that are submitted to the festival. So now it's, it's specifically a Women's Rights Documentary Film Festival. So the pool keeps getting smaller and smaller, but that is not a problem that actually helps us tell the story that we're trying to convey um, in a more precise way. So the films came from almost 40 countries and the final selection ended up being 38 films from 25 countries spanning five continents. And what we saw in all of them is, first of all, there's tremendous backlash that we're all familiar with against women's rights that have arisen from the global pandemic, whether it's economic, social, cultural, just backlash against women. People are in crisis. And of course, women end up being the first victims of the violence and aggression that comes out of just frustration of things not being safe, secure, and, and successful. So there, there's that. And then there's also the very targeted multi-decade, multi-pronged effort to whittle away at women's reproductive rights, not only in the United States, but also in, in Eastern European countries, and the ongoing struggle for abortion rights in South and Central America. So that theme came very strongly. And then also what kept coming through is this sort of idea of two steps forward, one step back, that as much as women have progressed since 1995 and the Beijing Declaration that women's rights are human rights, 
with the progress has come new challenges and sort of new arrangements and a new power distribution. And that complicates things. New problems arise. So while women have greater access to political representation, economic opportunities, access to education, with those shifts and changes, there are, there are new issues that arise, perhaps intergenerational. And I can talk about two films in particular that really bring that forward. Uh, shall I do that really quickly? Yeah, please. Sure. Yes. So one film came from Egypt called Fiancé. And this was the story of three uh, Egyptian young women from Cairo who were all about to get married. That is what the film premised us with. They were engaged and they were on the way to marriage. And if you know a little bit about Egypt, marriage is becoming increasingly difficult in Egypt for young people because it's so hard to get a a well-paying job. And in Egypt, the tradition is that you get married once you are able to afford the dowry, you're able to afford a home, you're able to afford providing for your family. And as that becomes more and more difficult, so does marriage. And then we saw this schism between men and women in the sense that there's one scene where there's a young woman speaking with her elders about why, why am I subservient to my husband? I'm not going to be a stay-at-home mom. Like I want to pursue my career. Why, why is it automatically that I have to be home and serving him? We can, we can share the tasks of householding. If I'm not home to make dinner, he'll make dinner for the children that we're going to have one day. And if he's not home, I'll make dinner. And if I'm too tired to do the dishes, he can do the dishes. And she was in a conversation with two elders, perhaps like an auntie and her mother, and they were just freaking out. Like, how can you say that? That is not a woman's place. She has to do the dishes in households where a woman is not, is not taking care of the husband. This is, this is, this is a shame on us. You can't do that. And, and the young woman is saying, but I'm a human being. I'm equal to my, to my husband. So you see these intergenerational rifts and how younger women, younger generations are growing up in a world where it is more acceptable, this idea of women's equality. And there's pushback from the older generation. So that was an interesting thing where on the one hand, she and her young fiance, they were on the same page about their household, but her elders were horrified that this is how she was thinking that she could approach marriage. And then there's that tension between them, right? Because we all want to please our elders. We don't want to disrespect the people that came before us. So that was, that was really interesting. And, and another couple in that was also where the young woman thought she had a very modern fiance, but it turned out that she wore something that he considered immodest. And he said to her, you know, when we're married, you'll never be let out of the house like that. And very soon thereafter, she realized that was not her future and she broke off the engagement. So you just see these, these rifts, right? And then another film from Turkey called Harvesting Our Tea brought us to a very interesting place near the Black Sea where tea is harvested and actually women, surprise, surprise, have the bulk of the work harvesting the tea. It's very arduous work. You go into the fields and you're picking the leaves and you're putting a hundred kilograms on your back of tea leaves. And as life has gotten better for these families, their daughters have gone off to university, their PhD holders. They don't want to be part of this. They don't want to pick tea like their mothers and grandmothers. They want to have university positions. They want to live in a modern world. And so what happens? Who harvests the tea, right? And it's a whole reorganization of a whole economic system, a whole society. And there's going to be fallout from that. So the next stage is how do we negotiate that? So that was, that was something where, again, women's rights have progressed. And exactly because of that, there are new challenges that we have to deal with. And then more in the more dramatic sense of the way when we're talking about reproductive rights, uh, and we see 
literally those are being rolled back right now. And, and what, what do we do now? What really, what do we do? Do we fight for more rights as they're being taken away? Or do we try to just hold on to what we have right now? Cause women are certainly under siege in many different ways. The power is shifting. It is frightening to those who are losing what they're used to. And it's a fraught moment for sure. And, and the films that ended up being selected to the festival really tell that story and they, they wind together so beautifully. And that's something really unique about our festival, that it's not just a women's film festival. It's not just a human rights festival. It's a women's rights documentary festival. And we're really trying to start a conversation where filmmakers are leading the charge, the stories that they're telling, and we're bringing it to an audience and saying, please be open to listening to what these stories are telling us, what these voices are telling us and make decisions on how to take action in favor of women's rights from these authentic representations of real life women and girls facing the challenges that they are right now today all over the world. So one of the things that you touched on that I felt was very interesting is that women, whenever there is uncertain times, that women kind of take the brunt of the abuse as people are uncertain and there's a fear that sets in. And what I noticed in some of the films that I watched is that the women from around the world, instead of being able to progress in the grounds that they have, they were just trying to hold their ground. And how much of it do you think was caused by the uncertainty of the pandemic, as opposed to how much was caused by these men around the world feeling like they were losing their power? So I think the backlash definitely began before the pandemic, right? I don't think that the pandemic caused the backlash, but it definitely exacerbated that suddenly there's an excuse to say, well, we can't make progress here or we can't do this. We can't do that because look at the other, the more burning situation is the fact that we have a global pandemic. So I think it became an excuse, a vehicle to stop progress where possible, to take it out on women where also that was possible. So I just think that the pandemic made an already shaky situation, more fragile. And that is a wonderful way to segue into also talking about the work of Women's Voices Now. What we're trying to do is that we, as an organization, see how superficial on many levels women's rights progress is. We know that because laws can be canceled, as we've learned in the United States very recently, such as Roe v. Wade. They can be under-disseminated. You can have laws protecting your rights and you live in a place where you would never know that you have the legal protection against your husband beating you or that, you, that there is such a thing as rape in marriage. That's something in Morocco that's a big issue. So laws can be taken away and they, you might not even have awareness that you have those rights. Uh, economic opportunities, right? Those are susceptible to economic times. When there's recession, when there's depression, when there's war. I mean, people lose their jobs all the time. And, you know, and then you talk about women who have babies, you know, women, as we know, there's a continues to be a a gender wage gap. Women have to come out of the workforce in order to have babies and raise them for a certain amount of time. So economics are very superficial and shaky and education. Same thing is susceptible to war and violence, conflicts, same things. All of these external factors, look at the Taliban took over Afghanistan, and now girls and women are out of the education system, again, fighting to get back in. So it is so superficial. What we need to work on, therefore, is our culture, right? Our global culture and our view of women, which is clearly not seeing women as equal. There's a UN statistic that came out a couple of years ago that 90% of the population holds negative stereotypes against women, that we are biased. We do not see women as equal men and women, right? It's not just men, all of us, 90% of us in the globe. 
So when things happen, the first thing that's going to go is this progress in women's rights. So what's the, what's the solution is what we're working toward is how do you get into people's mindsets? How do you get into their heart? How do you really get to see a woman as an equal human being? It's not going to be laws. It's not going to be access to education. It's not going to be a high paying job. Because the other thing we know is as much as women have progressed since the pandemic, the, the rate of violence against women has actually increased in some places from one to three women in their lifetime being victims of intimate partner violence to one in two in some places. So all of these things are very, very fragile, very easily taken away this progress. But if we are getting into people's hearts and minds and asking them to truly feel the other side, feel what it is to be a woman under siege, the chances of them connecting with that pain and not wanting it for themselves or their loved ones highly increases. So that's what we need to do in order to have lasting change, lasting progress toward gender equality is truly a culture shift. And that's our vision at Women's Voices Now that we're using these social impact films to contribute to that shift where people and societies truly see women as equal counterparts and that it's not just about, you know, access to school, a job, and holding a political position, because it's just not enough. It's certainly not enough. Now, this year's festival also hosts an industry panel. Can you tell us who's going to be on the panel and how people attend the panel? Sure. So every year we're trying to better serve the, the filmmakers because they are the primary beneficiaries of this organization's film festival. So we do a, so to answer the question in a long way, is that we do a survey at the end of every um, festival and ask the filmmakers, how can we do it better next year? And so one of the things that has come out of those surveys, as well as some research we've done, is you know we need to create better connections for our filmmakers to people who are in the industry, who are the people that have come before them, who have been successful in, in getting documentaries distributed, financed, critiqued, all these things. So our, this is our first ever industry panel. It's happening March 9th. That's next Thursday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We have the founder of uh, Safe Space Pictures Foundation. Her name is Nicole Shipley. She's an actress who um, came through the industry uh, you know, in front of the camera and was just fed up with how women are treated and decided to start her own company, her own 501c3 actually, where women who are making social impact films could try to get funding through her foundation in a dignified way and that they would find support and not more barriers just because they're women trying to make stories, you know, in films. So that's Nicole. And then we have Richard Arlook of the Arlook Group. He is a multi-award winning, highly accomplished documentary filmmaker who um, is just someone who knows how to find a good story. He's been around for a long time and he's, a, he's an incredible ally of women uh, in the film industry. So we decided to invite him. Also, there is an up and well, she's actually very successful. Her name is Sierra Glaude. She is a young black gay filmmaker from Mobile, Alabama. I got to meet her yesterday in our media lounge. And she's one of the directors of Oprah Winfrey and Ava DuVernay's Queen Sugar. She's one of Ava DuVernay's protégés. And she is just so inspiring. And I can't imagine anyone not believing in themselves after listening to her talk about her journey and how you just you know, you hustle and you are kind. She said some really beautiful words, like I said yesterday in our media lounge. So I'm super excited to hear more from her. And then our fourth guest is Carla Renata from Cherry Picks. She's also known as the quote unquote curvy critic. And she'll be on the panel as someone talking about what's the role of a critic in getting your film out there, you know, creating buzz and getting other folks to come watch your film. 
and, um, and how you form a relationship with a film critic so that you, you can use that avenue to promote your film. So those are our panelists and it's going to be moderated by Georgie Speakman, who's one of our festival sponsors and one of our uh, Women's Voices Now advisory board members. And she's really come up in the industry as well. She's had to fight tooth and nail for everything she's accomplished. So we just have some really strong women and one ally male who's going to be on, on the panel to um, inspire and inform and, and hopefully create um, more connections for the filmmakers participating in the, in the festival this year. And do the filmmakers get cash prizes? The filmmakers do this year. We actually were able to increase our prizes from $10,000 to $12,000 across seven categories. And that increase again came from actually the jury last year saying some of our prizes felt very difficult to decide because it's, you know, to compare a short documentary to a feature documentary, a first time filmmaker, short uh, documentary maker to a feature, you know, there's all these different considerations. So we learned from last year and we were able to raise the funds to increase the prize money, which we're so happy about. And what are the categories? The categories are the Leslie J. Sachs Grand Prize film, which is, goes to a documentary feature. It's $3,500. We have a best first-time filmmaker for documentary feature, best first-time filmmaker for documentary shorts. We have a best human rights film that's sponsored by the Lantos Foundation for Human Rights and Justice. We have a best youth documentary category, and we have a best creative documentary category. And I think that was seven. And um, if not, then I might have forgotten the best short documentary, that, just that category. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, I'm going to include the ticket link on the podcast website. But can you also tell us here how people can attend the virtual event? Sure. So we use Eventbrite for ticketing. And I'm going to give a 50% ticket code for all of your listeners. You get your ticket there. You will use the promo code WVN50. You know, Women's Voice is now 50. That gets you 50% off the ticket price. When you get your ticket, you'll receive a link to our website that has a password-protected digital program, which is beautiful. That's also our first time ever. We have this beautiful digital program that you actually flip through the pages. You'll learn the synopses for all the films. You'll know more about our festival and why we do what we do. Uh, and then you'll be able to access the films that way. So you can watch any and all of the films on demand all month long. March 9th is our industry panel. And then March 23rd is our award ceremony. We haven't announced our guest speaker for that yet. So that information is coming hopefully next week. We'll confirm that person. Everything is online. Everything is very accessible. We never turn away anyone for lack of resources. So if the WVN50 doesn't work for you, just send us an email and ask for a full waiver discount code. And we would, of course, happily provide that because our, our mission is to get these films to as many folks as possible to support our filmmakers and to uplift these stories and get us all in this work together. And what would that email address be? So you would email events, E-V-E-N-T-S at womensvoicesnow.org. Thank you. And Heidi, thanks for your time today. I look forward to seeing more festival films throughout this Women's History Month. Thank you, Diana. Thanks for the opportunity to share with your audience. Alliance of Women Filmmakers is proud to partner with Women Voices Now to present this podcast. Women Voices Now uses film to drive positive social change that advances girls' and women's rights globally. For more information about Women Voices Now, visit womenvoicesnow.org. To learn more about Alliance of Women Filmmakers, and other organizations that we partner with, please visit lawomensfest.com.
Visionary Voices is produced by Diana Means with editing from Otaku Media. Visionary Voices is a production of Alliance of Women Filmmakers and made possible in part by a grant from the Department of Cultural Affairs. Our website, visionaryvoicespodcast.com. Visionary Voices.